Good morning. Welcome to Eastern Mennonite Seminary Chapel Worship. Welcome to those of you gathered here in person in Martin Chapel. And welcome to those of you joining virtually. Sisters and brothers, beloved of God, may you experience grace and peace as we worship God together this morning. I will be wearing a mask this morning because sadly I tested positive for COVID last week. Um, I'm currently testing negative, um, but for caution um, and to follow CDC guidelines, I will keep my mask on. <clears throat> we gather together to worship knowing that God is here among us, knowing that there is nothing that separates us from the presence of our God. Wherever we are, wherever we go, God is near. God is here. God is here. God is here. So let us enter this service of worship with confidence and hope without wavering, knowing that God is already with us and that God stands eager to meet us and surround us with love because God is love. So let's sing about that. We will sing, Come, let us all unite to sing, which is Voices Together, number seven. And I invite all who are able and willing to stand, and those who are virtual, you can stand. Everyone can raise a hand or do something to lift up your hearts.
So it helps be able to sing in sign language when your voice fails. <laughs> I realized that I couldn't sign, I couldn't sing because my voice wasn't working because of this COVID. But I know American Sign Language that so worked to sing in sign. So happy Mardi Gras! Uh, this is my Mardi Gras outfit. This is the only thing I could find in my closet that looked like Mardi Gras. Um, Fat Tuesday, Fashnot Day, Pancake Day, Shrove Tuesday, uh, last season of Epiphany, last day of the season of Epiphany, and the day before the dreaded season of Lent begins. <laughs> um, some of us might have much experience celebrating this day. Um, perhaps we have a church tradition of gathering together for a meal or festival, or a family tradition of waking up early to make mashed potato donuts. Um, for others, this might be a new or newish tradition. I've invited Reverend Brent, Brett Eisernhagen. I did not say that correctly. Let me try that again. Eisernhagen close enough. <laughs> You'll correct me when you come up here. To be our chapel speaker today, he will guide us through the Christian traditions of Shrovetide, Ash Wednesday, and Lent, exploring the themes of repentance and confession, our connection to God's love and eternal life, in light of the hope we have in Christ Jesus. Reverend Brett is pastor of Mount Crawford United Methodist Church and Mount Sydney United Methodist Church. He's married to Reverend Ashley, who pastors St. James United Methodist Church and is a current student in the spiritual direction program here at EMS. So please join me in praying this opening prayer 
written by Reverend Brett for our service today. Merciful God, you have offered us the free gift of your forgiveness. Grant us the humility and courage to accept it, that we may revel in the freedom of your beloved children, as confident in your love for us, as we are in Christ's victory over sin and death. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Reading from the book of Hebrews. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through the flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God.
Good morning, friends. An invitation before we begin. I believe that worship is a full contact sport, and I believe that I am not the only person that God is speaking through today. And so for this morning, there is no such thing as a rhetorical question. If a sentence ends with a question mark, I invite you to answer. If we were in my churches, I would have a bowl of candy to toss out to you if you speak up. I should have brought beads today. That's what we forgot. Oh, anyway. But um, not fishing for any answers, right answers, wrong answers, whatever comes to mind. Um, God speaks through conversation, and so shall we. As was pointed out earlier, today is Shrove Tuesday, the final day before the season of Lent starts tomorrow with Ash Wednesday. Now, I know the liturgical calendar is not everyone's cup of tea, and even in traditions like my own that mostly maybe sometimes keep the liturgical calendar, Shrove Tuesday can still be an unfamiliar day. Did anyone grow up celebrating Shrove Tuesday? One, two, three. I grew up knowing about pancakes, and I thought maybe a shrove was a type of spice they added to the pancakes. <laughs> but that was it until I hit seminary. Um, but knowing that this is an unfamiliar day, let's step back with a little bit of background. Uh, Lent is a 40-day season before Easter where Christians are invited to join Jesus in his own 40-day fast in the wilderness. It's a time of fasting, of self-examination, of confession, of repentance and deep prayer in order to spiritually prepare ourselves for Easter and for Holy Week. In ancient times, when there were only few days, Easter being one of them, only few days when new believers could be baptized, Lent was also a time of education, reflection, and spiritual formation for those who were going to join the church. Lent begins tomorrow on Ash Wednesday, a day that Christians set aside to reflect on our own mortality and our sin and to confess that together. And that seems like a fitting start to Lent, does it not? All right. Because if it doesn't, I'm okay setting these two more pages aside and we can have a different conversation. But then we come to Shrove Tuesday, which doesn't seem to fit. Uh, so if you don't know, Shrove is not a spice they put in the pancakes. Does anyone know where that word comes from? I don't have candy, but you will receive candy in heaven. <laughs> Shrove is the past tense of an old English word, shrive, which means to forgive or to absolve, as a priest would after hearing a confession. The idea being Shrove Tuesday was a day to confess sin, to get it all off your chest before Lent starts. Clean slate. You would be shriven. Um. <laughs> but today, as was pointed out earlier, Shrove Tuesday goes by another more familiar name. Anyone remember that name? Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. Fat Tuesday. For decades, for centuries even, it's been a day for parades and revelry and decadence and maybe just a little bit of debauchery and, of course, beads. <laughs> now, help me connect the dots, friends. How did we go from a day of 
confessing our, fr- uh, confessing our sins and being shriven to a time of raucous celebration and pancakes and plastic beads. That's what I thought too, trying to connect those dots. Um, my first thought, obviously there's a temptation, if you know you're going to be fasting for 40 days, that you get it all out of your system. If you're not going to be able to eat things, you eat it all at once. You need to get all that sinning out of your system before you are a good little boy or girl for 40 days. But I've come to, found out, to find out there is a more pious origin for these celebrations too. You see, in centuries past and today for different extents, Um, Lent was a time of serious fasting. You fasted from meat and from all animal products. And so before Ash Wednesday, you need a day to get rid of and to use up all your eggs and your milk and your butter and your fat and your lard. And while you're at it, use up the sugar and the honey, anything sweet or pleasurable that would tempt you to break your fast. And if you need to get rid of all of your eggs and your milk and your lard and your fat and your honey and your sugar in one day, how do you do it? Sorry, I heard a couple of different answers. Pancakes. Donuts. Anything else come to mind? Yeah, you, you make cakes, you make pancakes, you make sweet, decadent morsels. And if you're going to have delicious food, You can't enjoy that by yourself, can you? You invite friends over and they can bring their eggs and their milk and their butter and their honey and their sugar. And while you're eating good food with good friends, why not make a party out of it, right? One thing leads to another. Mardi Gras was not a way to live it up and to get it all out of your system before you have to be somber for Lent. It started as a way to remove temptation from your home and to prepare yourself and your family to fast. But even if that's how it started, there's a bit of a tension between the celebrations and the mood of Fat Tuesday and what we're going to experience tomorrow and Ash Wednesday, is there not? There is a stark contrast in moods. And all that got me to thinking. What is the proper way to prepare for Lent, to prepare for fasting and examination? What is the more proper way to prepare ourselves for Easter? Or even if we're going to toss the liturgical calendar aside, what is the proper way for us to prepare for our own deaths and our eventual resurrections. Is it through humble and tearful prayers of confession? Or is it through a green and purple and gold parade? I'm not afraid of silence. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, 
hearing silence, we'll turn back to our scripture for the day. In the book of Hebrews, the author tells the readers that we Christians have confidence to enter God's holy sanctuary because of our great high priest, Jesus Christ, who has opened the curtain to the holiness of holy, the holiest of holies and invited us all in. We are told to approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, not full assurance in our own holiness, but in the holiness of Jesus, our priest, and assurance in the efficacy of the sacrifice of blood that he has made. What would it look like to approach repentance, to approach the enormity of our own sin, even to ap- approach our very mortality, not with our usual fear and trembling and hunched over prayers, but with confidence and with a heart full of assurance and hope? Y'all, when we fast and confess our sin, what are we trying to accomplish? Again, not a rhetorical question. When we fast and we confess our sin, what are we trying to accomplish? We're not trying to change God's mind about us, are we? Or to try and convince God to forgive us? Because, friends, Christ died for us while we were still sinners, and that proves God's love toward us, does it not? When we fast and confess our sin, we're not trying to win God's favor, right? How could God love us any more than God already loves us? Maybe, in the tradition of Shrove Tuesday, we are simply trying to move ourselves away from the things that would tempt us and distract us from God and God's love. And maybe we move farther away from those things, not to try and earn forgiveness, but so that we may be free to move closer to God and deeper into the image of God in which we have all been made. Because friends, we've heard it already read from scripture, God has already made up God's mind about you. God has looked you up and down, inside and out, and then opened the curtain to the sanctuary. Now, I haven't lived in Harrisonburg long enough to know if there's a big Mardi Gras tradition here. Um, Where I grew up, they'd throw a parade at a drop of a hat for Mardi Gras, for catfish, or rock shrimp. Whatever you had, they'd drop a party for it. I don't know if, is there Mardi Gras parades or parties in Harrisonburg? Well, I'm not telling you to go out and make a fool of yourself at a Mardi Gras party. But scripture does speak just as strongly against being proud of our fasting and piety as scripture does against gluttony and overindulgence, right? So instead of fasting proudly, friends, how about we fast boldly? Or perhaps we, how about we fast joyfully? When we approach God, after all, we're not approaching some dour, sour-faced judge with bushy eyebrows and angry eyes. We're approaching our parent. We're approaching the person that looked at his friends on the night that they would betray him and said, I don't call you servants anymore, but friends. We're approaching the one who said, knock and the door will be opened. 
who said, seek and you will find. The one who said, none of you give your children stones when they ask for bread. And so if you know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? Y'all, I think we are long overdue for a change in the way that we confess our sin. Too many of our prayers sound like, oh God, we are just unworthy, sinful worms, stained inside and out and spoiled of sin, undeserving of your smallest mercy. But please find it in your heart to forgive us. Y'all tell me, how would you feel if your partner or your child came to you and asked forgiveness like that? Every day, I feel that my, life, my wife loves me far more than I could ever deserve. And even if I did something to wrong her, if I came to her groveling, saying, I am unworthy of your love and I am undeserving of your smallest kindness and forgiveness, y'all, that would break her heart, right? You heard it from her, that would break. And it would break your heart too, wouldn't it? To hear your child or your partner come to you groveling. I think the way we approach God when we confess our sin breaks God's heart. Because we insist on coming before God as unworthy, groveling subjects when God has already chosen to look at us and to call us God's beloved children and friends even. And so y'all confess boldly, repent joyfully, and hold on to your hope without wavering. Face your sins and your mortality with confidence and with the full assurance of faith. There's a line in the United Methodist Communion Liturgy that closes out our prayer of confession. And we pray, free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, we have been freed for joyful obedience obedience. If confession of our sins does not lead to hope, does not lead to joy, perhaps we're not confessing our sins as much as we're just chastising ourselves. We have no need, friends, to face death and judgment like students cramming for that important final that determines the grade of your entire semester and upon which your degree hangs. We've studied for those exams, right? How does it feel? <laughs> How does it feel? We've studied for important exams before, haven't we? Worried? Concerned? Tired? pulling out your hair, if, if you're blessed with any? Friends, does that feel like the kingdom of God to you? Instead, starting tomorrow and for the next 40 days, excluding Sundays, and why not for the rest of our lives? 
let's fast like we have chosen to give up our day or our week to camp out in front of the theater so that we can get tickets for the show of a lifetime. And because of the love we have for the owner of the theater and the love that the theater owner has for us, we know we are guaranteed a spot as long as we stay in line. And for the love of God, which leads us to confession and then can free us for joyful obedience, I say thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, the, the sermon is over, but I believe the Holy Spirit is still speaking. And I invite you to keep your ears and your heart open for whatever it is that God is saying to you today. Um, and there's a hymn next, right? I have to get out of my Sunday morning. I'm not...
Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you very much for your message, Brett. Good food for thought. So before I tested positive for COVID, um, I found this um, Shrove Tuesday culinary liturgy for renewal. And I thought this would be a fun sermon response for today. Um, as I would read the liturgy, I would be mixing up food, mixing up pancake batter. But because of COVID, that will not be happening. Instead of a demonstration today, you'll get pictures. Adaptation. <laughs> so, we come to God as we are. We come with a history of rights and wrongs. We come with a past of shaky discipleship. We come with unsifted mixture, with the unshifted, excuse me, let me start over again. We come with the unsifted mixture that is life. We long to stay with what is familiar, to cling to the comfortable, the predictable, to hold to the past, however painful, to find our security in a world of our making. But God calls us to move on, to enter the place of reflection and change, to be confronted and challenged with reality, to encounter God's life-giving presence, even in, especially in the wilderness. So, with God's love, we sift the flour, removing regrets from the past, leaving behind what we no longer need, bringing with us what is life-giving. And we take some milk, the nourishment of God's spirit, which gives strength for the journey ahead. We take an egg, symbol of new life, anticipating God-inspired possibilities. We take a pinch of salt and remember that Jesus called those who followed him salt of the earth. We mix it all together, ready to move forward through tomorrow's Lenten beginnings and beyond. As we share in this food, this pancake meal that will be provided for us after the service, as we share this food, may we marvel at the new creation, which by God's grace we are now and yet will become. Amen. Brett, will you please come and give us our benediction?
day or a week or the next 40 days may hold for you. I encourage you to face it, holding on to your hope without wavering. And I pray that you be filled with all the peace, the love, and the power that comes from the God who made you, who has already redeemed you from sin and death, and who even now, friends, is making you know. Thanks be to God.